So let's stand for a word of prayer before we get to the word of God this morning. We're grateful to be partnering with Hal and that team. Man, difference makers right here at home and all over the world, literally. Father, you've got a plan for everybody at Calvary Christian Center. You built this church from the ground up. May our hearts be open to hear what you have to say to us together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We thank God for what he's done among us at Calvary Christian Center. Amen? We are where we are because he has helped us. But fresh and new ministry opportunities await us, and they're just before us. So we have to step forward because some approaches that we've gotten very comfortable with are no longer applicable or working. And there's so much more to do. It involves growth. It means change. And that means the potential for some discomfort who tend to want to resist change. It's time for Calvary to step into her destiny and purpose. We need to take a leap into the 21st century because that's where we are. And we've got to be applicable to our own culture. Amen? God has appointed us for such a time as this. And while I know what my giftings are, some people in our church haven't discovered those gifts yet. And some who have are not using them or implementing them as God designed them to be used. So we must continue to equip and build leaders in the church, not just for now, for the next generation. It's imperative that the next generation has handed to them what we have acquired from the Lord. Every one of you has an amazing gift, and every one of you has a valuable contribution to make to the church of Christ. We, as your pastoral staff, are charged with a responsibility to engage you to be active in serving the Lord and ministers of His in His church and community. And these are the things that I think about when I finally lay down at night, the things I think about when I can't sleep, because our church has a better future than it has a past. And I'm committed to serve as long as God can use me in whatever capacity He chooses, but I have to keep looking ahead and looking forward to the future. His church must progress forward, and we all have a responsibility, each of us, to change and improve and be effective in ministry. His church will meet the needs of people if all of its members are equipped and functioning in the gifts within the body of Christ. There are too many untapped assets sitting in our pews. We have to do better. I work at preaching and teaching better. I work at that. Everybody needs to be equipped better. And we have to embrace our future and our purpose to be a church that not only is in our community, that reaches literally around our surrounding communities and becomes regional in its scope. By God's grace, I will not fail in my purpose and mission of equipping this church for its dynamic future. Every part of Jesus' body is to bring something to the table. And here's the cry of Jesus' heart, my heart, that every child, every student, every adult, married or single, every person who sits in a seat here at Calvary would get in the game, get involved, and help us to build a powerful church to take us to the destiny God has for us. And I know what needs to happen. God's given me a very distinct vision for Calvary Christian Center. And in that vision, we need to grow spiritually and numerically. And as we have property that can facilitate any of that growth that God's put in our hearts, we have plenty of room for that expansion. But I don't like the feeling that it's all on pastoral shoulders, that this has become a a seven-day-a-week ministry for the entire church, 
But why are so many sitting by and not involved and plugged in as everyone should be? People who love Jesus, yes, are saved, yes, who read the Bible, mm-hmm. pray, but don't engage in any ministry in the body. They basically see church as an event. I do church on Sunday and then I leave. The mindset there is, oh, I, I, I want to be free. You know, we have many distractions. But who and what is first in our lives? That's what we have to constantly evaluate in a world that's becoming ever more complicated and easily distracted. The American dream is to be independent. The kingdom of God requires that all of us are players on the team. Get everybody's hooks out of me is the attitude so I can do what I want to do with my life. So let's minimize. And so many churches now, it's become a spectator event. People expect the people on the platform to just perform for them while they sit and watch, to be sung to, to be spoken to without participation. And that's not a New Testament model. The New Testament model is every part of the body is functioning, and those that are here on the platform are just helping facilitate. We're here to usher in the presence of God. It's not a performance. Now, that culture mindset has bled into how people do church in the Western world. And there are many who have the basic philosophy about church. I really don't want to be involved. I believe in everything that you're doing. You know, I love being in the services, and I'll attend because I know exactly what time to get here to get my parking space. I know exactly what time to get here to get the seat that I enjoy. And, and, and if, I get in, if I'm in a hurry and everything moves along at the pace it's supposed to, I've got my seat and I put some money in the offering and then I can slip out of here soon as the pastor doesn't look in my direction when he's calling for people to come to Jesus. I need to beat the crowd to the parking lot and then I'm, I got the rest of the day for what I want to do. Little connection. Where in his body relationships are everything. You know, I love you, pastor. I stand with you. But listen, pastors can't do all this alone. That's not the way Jesus designed his kingdom. I do the best I can. But I'm busy and I'm one person. And we can't do everything all the time. And, you know, I completely understand busy because I understand what it looks like. I am. I have all those same issues. I'm here seven days a week. I work. I study. Listen, I go to meetings. I plan, I administrate, I minister to people, and I still can't be at every event people expect me to be. I understand. We're busy. Everybody's busy. There are so many things happening in people's lives today. I'm running a pretty big operation, just like some of you. I have employee issues. All the stuff that goes with this, it hits me every day. And it would be so easy to just adopt the mindset of some of the pastors that I know And this is what their schedule looks like. You know, I have a personal walk with Jesus, and I'm there on Sunday to preach and teach, and uh, I'll do some administration, but every chance I get, man, I'm out of there, and I'm on the golf course. Yeah? God has given each of you a unique and specific calling, and when you stand before Jesus one day, he's going to ask you, what did you do with this gift? What did you do with the talent? What did you do with the calling I gave you? You have been God-called. Everyone in the body has been God-called. You have been commissioned 
You are ordained by God to have ministry that's specific in the body. Everybody. And we're all going to face the master to give an account sooner or later about how we handle that. The object is not guilt. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I just need to speak into your lives today because I have observed a trend and I'm discerning a trend and I see more and more people who were engaged in body in the body of Christ and they were engaged in serving, now developing the mindset, let somebody else do it. And just for the information, FYI, there's no word for retirement in the Bible. I shared it with the Wednesday night crowd from the book of Ephesians. Paul was very clear when God's given you a ministry, you are to perform it all the way to the last moment you live. Like the government has given you a 62 or age 65 option, or in some cases an age 70. That's all well and good for career and all that stuff. But for the kingdom of God, there is no end to the work that we should be doing. We should all be serving, even when we are not up to speed physically or, or, or in any other way sometimes, but we can still help others learn to do what we've done. Amen? So the Lord began to deal with my heart, and the Lord placed on my heart some truths I need to address. And here's the good news. If you're one of the people, well, I don't have time to engage, or I'm too tired to do it, or I don't want my name on any lists, I don't want anybody texting me. I love you, pastor, and I love our church, but I have other distractions. I have all this other stuff I have to do. I want the Lord's day to be my day. That's an oxymoron. Uh Uh-uh. He didn't call it your day. He called it his day. Or a shared day. How about if we just share, Lord? I'll, I'll just do church for the shortest service possible of the day. And then let me go do what I want to do for the rest of the day. Hmm? The good news is, his church will go on without us. Yeah, we're not going to stop it. God's not that small. The bad news is, remember, his church will go on and be okay, but you'll not be okay. And I'll prove that to you biblically. I want you to get the big picture of how God sees you, not how you see you. You better see you how God sees you. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. It does matter how God sees you. For there is one body and one spirit, and you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Okay, notice the word one, how it's used there so often. So each of us is equally responsible, whether we have one gift or many gifts, to do everything we can with those gifts for the enhancement of his body for the kingdom of God. Notice, and we're to do it as one. We all function together. Notice Ephesians 4. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So that's an amazing statement. Listen to what Paul is saying. said to each of us, grace. And that word means enabling grace or talent, special ability, something you can do that other people cannot do. So the word is saying there's something about you that you're empowered to do because each of you is uniquely gifted. If you were to to start choking at the local restaurant, some people would just freeze because they wouldn't know what to do to help them. They would panic. Others would just get frozen and stare at them because they were startled by what they're observing. But like someone told me after service, going out the door, that happened to us yesterday. Someone was choking in the restaurant, and I was the only person who knew uh, the Heimlich maneuver. 
And so I immediately got behind them and popped that thing out of them and then knocked them to the floor and did CPR to get them their heart functioning and everything working again. So the one person who understands how it works makes a difference in the life of others. Amen? One person may have great organizational skills. He or she might never walk up to this platform to dare speak, but it's, it's, it's amazing their organizational ability. Another is great behind the scenes, putting all the pieces together. A talented leader to pull together individuals to fill a role because they can look at the talents and say, you need to be here, here, and here. And together, we make this thing drive. The word is saying, listen, each of you is a gifted person. That's what God's word is saying. It's saying that God has given every one of you a divine enablement. For some, an organizer or a musical ability or a gift to give. By the way, that is a gift in, the, in, in Romans, I believe, chapter 12, where Paul lists giving as a gift. You know, we teach people to use their gifts to become teachers and preachers, and we teach people how to administrate. Those are all gifts that are given to the church. But how, when's the last time you've attended a class to learn how to give or got mentored because it's one of those don't ask, don't tell subjects in the Western church? And it should not be. We need to be generous with the things that God has given to us because we have to be kingdom-minded. Amen? A gift to give, a gift to sow or cook or clean, a gift to teach, a gift to mentor. And those who don't have that same gift, listen, it'll stress you out if you get squeezed into a ministry you're not gifted for. And for the one gifted to organize, you love it. For the one who doesn't have the gift to organize, it'll just stress you out. For some, you're just loving, calming person. You're out in the courtyard, someone's struggling, and you smile, and you have a word in season, and you bless that person who's struggling with your calm attitude. Others are not gifted very well to do one-on-ones like that. And you get to feeling uncomfortable in those circumstances. But see, people in his body have differing gifts. That's how the Holy Spirit constructed the body to function together. That's the plan of Jesus for his kingdom. And when each uses his or her gift, the whole body is blessed because each joint is supplying what the other needs. Some of you can teach. Others, if you tried to teach, everybody would be yawning and taking a nap. Not everybody has that gift. Others have the gift of administration. Some are gifted with the ability to go out and make money. And no matter what it is, you have the ability to sell and make money. I mean, you could sell this pulpit right out from under me. Don't know you have any ideas because you're not getting it. And each of you has been blessed with a gift for purpose, to be a blessing. Amen? And the word says that every person, as God looks at this body of believers, every one of you is seen by him as a part of his body. Jesus is the head. We're the body. And he sees every one of us as a part of the body. You're a part of his body. He created each of you to be a part. Now, every one of you then has divine enablement to function. Watch. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. So why did God give the church coaches, those that are listed in this this passage, these five coaches? Why did he give these? 
Why did God equip you? Why did God grant giftings to you in certain areas? When people ask you, how did you do that? And you answer, I don't know. I just do it. (laughs) Why do you have that gift? Because God gave it to you. God blessed you. It's his gift, and he gave it to you. Listen, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So his intention, the head of the church, is that every member of the body grow to maturity, in total, complete maturity. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Oh, could I preach there for a minute, right? I've watched some of our people get tricked through gossip, half-truths, doctrinal errors. What's this all about? He just said that the reason God gives every believer a different gift so that the whole body will grow up and no one will remain immature, no longer immature, no longer acting like infants, no longer acting, well, I don't like that. Because stop that stuff. We've got to grow to the point where we grow and say, let's do what we need to do for the kingdom's sake, for Jesus' sake, for the church's sake. Amen? Imagine a child. You take that child. God forbid and accidentally loses a hand in some gross accident. If you were to take that severed hand and it's disconnected from the body, in some places where, where people reside, they, they're fortunate enough if they could get to the doctor quickly, a special type doctor, they can reattach some of those things. But if it's, if it's disconnected and just put in a box and pushed over to the side, if you just put it in a corner and left it by itself, you know, you, you would heal up the limb that's had the amputation that took place on it. That would heal over time. But over the next 10 years, the rest of that child would continue to grow and mature. The child would grow to early adulthood, yet that part that was disconnected from the body does not and cannot grow. The rest of the body has grown, but do you know what happened to the severed part of the body that's no longer connected? It's not engaged, not getting nutrients, no blood flow, not interacting with the rest of the body. You know what happens to the severed part? It will shrivel and it will die. It has minimal and then ultimately no functionality. It cannot be used anymore. Over here, you have a grown-up body on one side, mature. Over here, you have a limb that never did grow. It shriveled and died. And the body hurts and misses you and the role that you have to play. But you've been cut off from the life that you need to survive that comes from the rest of the body because the way God designed it, Every member supplies what the other member needs, and it's give and take back and forth with every joint supplies. So what you bring, I need, and what I bring, you need, and I can't function alone by myself. Can I say to you, if you're not engaged, if you're not working in ministry, if you're not involved using your giftings, you are part of the body of Christ. You're connected personally to Jesus but your body part is in a box separated from the rest of the body. And here's what scares me. As we grow and develop and mature, if one doesn't remain connected, the scripture says you will remain immature. That part will never grow. And many people believe that the way you become a mature Christian 
Well, I read my Bible and I pray and once a year I fast and I come to church with some frequency. That's not what the word is saying right here. Those are necessary, but that's not what it's saying right here. The word saying here, the way you stop being an infant and a newborn in Christ, you have to mature and play your part. That part has to function in order for it to grow. And some function as a voice, others function as an ear or a hand or a foot. Each of us are parts of his body. And Paul said, one part of the body cannot say to the other part of the body, I don't need you. So Paul said, when you don't engage, when you don't connect that part to the whole body, then you're beginning to die. Well, pastor, I don't understand. I'm saved. I love Jesus. But you're saying something's missing. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what's missing. I can tell you how to be unfulfilled as a Christian. How you will never grow after sitting in a pew week after week after week after week and not grow because you're hearing message after message of truth and not engaging, not connecting. You're just like that part of the body that's disconnected and sitting by itself in a box and the rest of the body is growing because they're connected to one another in the body. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together but why, but what, but what, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It grows. It's the will of God. When Jesus was on earth, he was the body of God. He was God's mouth. He was God's ears. He was God's hands. He was, he was Jesus, the feet of God in reality. But when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to his people, the church. And he said, now you are the body of Christ. And what we have in the church are hundreds of pieces of body in separate boxes lying all around the place. And I have this huge responsibility, and way too much ministry is placed on few, too few shoulders. And God did not design his church to function like that. That's not the way he built it. God has placed amazing gifts in his body and not enough are using theirs. I see people who use their leverage in business to build their business. You have gifts and talents and with them you can open amazing doors. Those gifts provide you a good home, a family, fun and enjoyment in life. There's nothing wrong with using your gifts to bless your life and your family. But that's not God's ultimate purpose for your gifts. God's ultimate purpose is for you, not just to have a gift to use for, personal, for your personal life and your business. God says, I want every one of you to use your gifts in my body, to cause my body to grow. And the reason God wants you to take your divine enablement and come alongside other believers and connect with them is this. What we can produce together is what we could never produce alone. When people walk into a church that's functioning in all of the gifts and all of their talent and all the resources are being utilized. People are using their divine enablements. It's the closest encounter that people can have to the literal presence of Jesus. Because all of a sudden, they see Jesus in that body. They recognize, this is what Christ looks like. And every function of the body pulls together for the focus of letting people see Jesus. It's the body of Christ activated and engaged. The story of a, a woman writing... To her pastor, an email 
and she'd been fasting and praying for her husband's salvation. And finally, after eight years of waiting on God to see if he might come to church, finally, after refusing year after year to ever go to church with her, they struck a deal. <laughs> she would meet his needs if he would meet her needs. And they worked it out, and she said to her pastor at work, next Sunday morning, he was up, and he was dressed, and he was going to church. Yes, victory. And he picked up a Bible on the way out the door, and it looked like it was working. This is a true story. And she said, all week long, when I knew he was finally coming to church, she said, because I waited and prayed for eight years to see if I could get my husband to start going to church. And she said, I prayed for my pastor. I prayed that whatever he was going to preach that day would speak some, something to him in his heart. And her husband, her husband prayed too. And his prayer was that I could just park close to the door. Okay, that was his prayer. Because he had an attitude. Yeah, he wasn't going willingly, but he was going. And finally, when he got out of his car and he looked around the parking lot, he said, this, this can't be a church. There are too many cars here. This must be a show. All that preacher probably wants is our money. Unfortunately, that's the way some people think about church who don't know anything about the church. Unfortunately, some people now in the church even think that about the church. But she prayed, and she got him in the door without a problem, they got their kids into kids' church. They got them all checked in. And everybody they met had a great attitude. And dad, as well as mom, were now assured that their kids were going to be taken care of and that they were going to be safe because they had some safety measures in place and through check-in. And the people were friendly. And the ushers and the greeters paid attention to him. And when they sat down, him being first time, everyone around him was friendly. Hint, everyone around him was friendly. Let me say it again. When the person sat down near them, everyone around him was friendly. And the worship was anointed. And in this email to her pastor, she described her prayer request because she'd been waiting eight years for this. <clears throat> she said, I want about 40 to 50 people in our church to do something with me, to partner with me, so my husband will feel the love of Jesus in a practical way, so his life can be changed, to let him see Jesus in the church, right? See, this is not something done alone up here on a platform. It wasn't up to the pastor alone to reach that man on that Sunday. The message starts in the parking lots. The message starts in the nursery. The message begins in, in kids' church, in the pew, right, at higher grounds. It starts with our ushers and greeters. The message starts all over this campus when people pull in to enter this facility. And what if the husband was yours? What if, what if that, that man had been your son? What if that had been your daughter? What if it had been your dad who hadn't been to church for a couple of decades? What if it had been your mom lost and on her way to hell? What would it mean to you to know that this was a place where the whole body functions? That it's not just the mouth up here speaking. But here's Jesus in the parking lot. Jesus is in the aisles. Jesus is in among the pews. And Jesus in every classroom teaching people using their gifts and their abilities because they're serving God in the kingdom. And, and what I have to somehow communicate 
Everybody has to come out of the stands and get into the game. We have hundreds of people who have amazing gifts, and we need every member playing on the team. Why? Because all of us owe Jesus our lives. We all owe him our lives. And consequently, I will give him my best. We need to tap that gift, organize that talent, train that ability, and maximize our potential. I have a dream. I've seen long-term, not just the now. What's begun here explodes into a revolution spiritually. Where connect groups, that's what they really should be, connect groups, where people connect. And, and we're having that, but we need to go beyond just us, us for no more. And those connect groups need to be reaching out. Those connect groups need to invite newcomers to the church to their group. Those connect groups need to also be concerned about who are you in my connect group related to outside this group who needs Jesus and we can start praying for him or her and get them invited here because they may never come to a church service but they might come here for a cup of coffee and a donut and sit down together and hear us speak and share about the word of God and what Jesus has done for us. Connect groups need to be places where people get plugged in and get connected. Couples getting marriage support. People with addictive behaviors being guided through their recovery. So we watch miracles of progress and deliverance and overcoming in people's life. Developing leaders. Many using their leverage every day in the business world. All good. Your talent, your ability, whatever you have, you leverage it daily to get what you want achieved. But here's the kingdom principle. When we stand and say, God give me, God bless me, God favor me. God, I need this house. God, I need a better job. God, I need more, more, more clients. Bless my business so I can have more for my children. And God keeps giving and keeps giving and keeps giving. And God, by the way, help me, help me to have more for the future, to have my business expand so I can, I can have more and be more successful. And by the way, God, I really don't have any time to give to you. God, I need, I need, I need. I'll show up on Sunday, but don't interrupt me and don't expect me to show up and sacrifice any time or any talent. I'll throw some money in the offering, but I'm busy. I'm just busy. That's not the standard of Jesus' kingdom. I'll say it again. That's not the standard of Jesus' kingdom. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, we're praying in reverse. We're asking God to give us all the stuff, and we're not seeking first the kingdom. He says no. Jesus says no, 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 no. Uh, No. It's a different perspective. You seek first my kingdom. I'll take care of the rest of it for you. Each of us has a higher expectation and calling than the one in which we're serving now. How many of you know you have a pastor that's willing to change? Yep. I have forever changed, will continue to change, And growth individually means change. When you stop growing and changing, you're dead. And I'm saying today, if we've made up our minds that all we're ever going to do is just show up for church, just come in and go, come in and go, no connecting. We've made up our minds. I'm not going to engage. I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to use my giftings. I don't want to do that. If we believe what we say we believe, that there is a heaven, right? Right? that there will be a judgment at that place in heaven 
of how we did or did not use the gifts he gave us for his kingdom. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Now, how do you think God's going to evaluate it? By temporal things or by eternal things? I wouldn't put any money on the temporal. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. How is he going to survive? If what he did had kingdom value, eternal principle. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. In other words, all the stuff you did just for temporal purposes, going up in smoke. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. That doesn't sound like fun, right? This is not something to play around with. This requires our best. You say, well, that sounds tough. Well, Jesus gave you the parable of the people with talents that he shared those with. He said, now I'm going to plant this many in this one, this many in this one, this many in this one, and then I'm going away for a while, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to ask for an account. And I'm going to ask you what you did with the talent I gave you. And just read it and see, see if that's fun. Yeah, it is if you've done what he asked you to do. It becomes a lot of fun. Rejoice, because he takes it and he explodes it for you and blesses you back. Amen? So the best use of our gifts... It requires a spirit of, I want to serve the Lord. It requires everybody doing his or her best. So when that man drives into the next service with his wife, he'll look around and say, you know, I might not buy into what he's preaching from the platform yet, but he's sure saying stuff that makes me think. But I have to admit, this people, this body, this place, there's passion in the hearts of these people. And that guy over there shook my hand. I thought he was going to knock my wrist off. What was these greeters in the parking lot? What was it with these kids? They're so excited about serving the Lord over in in reality kids. Look how these people are volunteering. Look at their good attitudes. Look at how friendly. It's contagious. This is real. I want to be a part of that. Some don't know why they feel dry spiritually or they feel dispassionate. It's because your gift is over in a box somewhere, shriveling. Because some people think, well, I'm just going to church. It's the pastor's job to kind of pump me up so I can make it through the next week. It's pastor's job to fuel the flame of passion for Christ in your heart, to coach you, to know that you can do this, that you can serve God. I do the best of my ability every single day to help people be encouraged. And it's now time for everybody to commit and say, yeah, I'm a player on the team because our ultimate purpose is not to bless us so we have a comfortable and successful life. The purpose is all about his kingdom. And the word says in Ephesians, when this happens, when the whole, listen, then the whole body grows. Not when just one mouthpiece in the pulpit shows up and preaches well on a Sunday. But when everyone gets in his or her place, connected to one another in the body, an amazing phenomenon takes place. The body grows. And God has called every one of us See, some people think, I got my ticket to heaven. That's the end of the journey. The most important thing, I'm saved. No, that's the beginning of the journey. When you got your ticket to heaven, it began a lifelong journey of growing, maturing, developing, and becoming a better servant of the Lord. God's called every one of us. Well, pastor, what does the Lord expect from me? First, looking forward, commit to being in God's house, being a part on a Sunday. I'm a player on the team. I'm here. You can count on me other than vacations and normal stuff that happens in people's lives. And secondly, begin to pray, God, use me as you choose. Mm. Mm. 
Use me as you choose. You might say, well, I'm not gifted. Everyone has at least one gift. Nowhere in the scripture can you back it up. I don't have any gifts. Everybody has one. I can back that up. Has at least one gift. And when people you know are dropping into hell every day, we have a, a responsibility to introduce them to the love of Jesus. And no one has to be a pastor to do that. Just allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in your conversation. That's our God-given assignment. When God brings someone into your life, you don't just look at that person and go, well, my gift is organization, so I'm not going to say anything to you about Jesus. (laughs) That person could spend eternity separated from God because you didn't speak. Let's, Let's make a distinction here. Sharing Jesus is not a gift in the New Testament. It's not a special gift given to anybody. To share Jesus is a command of Jesus in the scripture for every believer. Every believer. So even if you're not the best speech maker or talker or converser, conversationalist, just jump in wherever you are. Be humble enough to serve Jesus anywhere because all of us are called to serve. That's what the kingdom spirit is about. And when you do that, you watch. Growth begins again. Health comes back in the body. Life begins. Restoration. Spiritual renewal. And you know that every soul born again, everybody who has been working hard in his kingdom shares in the act of that redemption. Because you are a player. And being a player, you get to share in the victory. But only about 20% of the congregation commits faithfully. And about 80% sit back with their amazing gifts in a box. Unwrap your gift. The body of Christ is not a spectator sport. So I'm asking everybody to say, I'll get off the sidelines. I've sat back long enough. I've been in the bleachers long enough. I've been attending church. And that's pretty much all I've been able to do. And it's time for me to do something to serve. I am not speaking about your money. I am speaking about your heart. Because we need you, and you need the body of Christ, and every one of you has a place. Not everyone is going to be up front. Not everyone is going to be in leadership. Listen, we have to have people behind the scenes, everybody doing what he or she is called to do. When I got here yesterday morning, there were team players who had been in that, in that, in that kitchen over there by the gym for at least a couple of hours before I ever arrived. And they had fixed this fantastic breakfast. And we had this wonderful time of fellowship because people played on the team and did what they were skilled to do, right? But everybody has his or her gifts, a part of the body, and your part plays a role in the salvation of that person who comes to know Jesus. And we have to have it together when that person shows up. God has made you for purpose and he's equipped each of you to be a part of this body. And I'm, I'm thinking of the growth ahead. I'm thinking of things that need to get implemented, that need to get modified and changed. I'm burdened because I see amazing leaders just sitting in a pew. I want to look back one year from now and see our church operating at a level unlike anything we've ever seen in our history. People passionately committed, serving, helping, giving, being a blessing, having a good attitude because I'm a grown-up now, right? Spiritually, an unstoppable team, the body of Christ. No devil can stop the body of Christ when it starts functioning 
and it's coordinated. Amen? In order to be coordinated, we have to have leadership. Or your body parts just fly all over the place. But everyone getting his or her gift out of the box. You say, well, I'm a carpenter. Praise God. But I can't sing. Praise God. We know your ministry. Thank you for warning us. That's good. But now we can put you to work with some of the skills that you do have. On Wednesday night, we need men mentoring our young boys. Because some of them come from homes that don't have a male image that's godly. Do you remember when you were 10 years old, how big people looked? How they spoke to you? The impact they had on you? Some of you have coached kids in our community. How about plugging into the church and being a coach on the campus of kids? A spiritual mentor to them. Our Lord needs you. And only what you've done for Christ lasts. The rest of it, up in smoke. You'll be better. We'll be better. The church, his church will be better. And that one lost soul forever changed because you became a difference maker. You got on the team and you did your assignment and you were faithful doing it. And that's all he asks. But everybody's got to get in place to do it. Amen. Stand with me for a minute. Just lift your hands and say, thank God he loved me that much to pull me into his body, bring me to himself.